Hi, this is Braden Holpe, and welcome to the Sean Newman Podcast. Hey folks, welcome to the podcast. Let's get to today's sponsors. First off, HSI Group. They are the local oil field burners and combustion experts that can help make you sure you have a compliant system working for you. The team also offers security, surveillance, and automation products for residential, commercial, livestock, and agricultural applications. We use technology to give you peace of mind so you can focus on the things that truly matter. 3902 52nd Street or give Brody or Kim a call at 306-825-6310. Foremost, they offer smooth-walled grain bins, hopper bottoms, and fuel tanks. They're in stock and manufactured locally. They want to ensure you know that they are constructed of the highest quality and engineered for a long life. They deliver free within 300 kilometers of Lloydminster. You can buy them at their co-op locations, Lloydminster, Lashburn, or Neilberg. For more information, you can check them out on their website, foremost.ca. Golden Ticket Sports have partnered with Next Level Hockey Consulting to bring you the best of the best hockey coaching clinic August 24th to 27th, and it's all online. This clinic will feature top coaches from all over the world. They've already confirmed speakers such as these, Dustin Donathan from Mansfield Hockey, Hockey Life Coach, uh, Venla Hovey, former Winnipeg Jets player development, now head coach of Okanagan Hockey Academy's U-17s, and they got a ton more. To register or to find out more, go to their website, goldenticketsports.com. How about Lindsay Olin and the team down at Can Do Auto and Lube? Family owned and operated since 1984, 36 years. That's looking for an oil change? No appointment necessary. Quick lube bay where you don't even need to leave your vehicle. They're fully licensed for Alberta and SAS safety inspections. They have a special going on currently until the end of August where an AC recharge is only $95. Give them a call today to see if you qualify. That's 780-875-7735 or stop in at 6163 Ave. How about Lauren and Gunner over at Art and Soul? She says, I'm a passionate, hardworking woman who loves her family. She says, I'm positive to the point I probably make people sick, but it's a skill I've learned in life. She's always asking why someone is framing an item because never in the history of her career has anyone brought something in that they didn't really care about. Well, she did, uh, surprised, surprise, I got a, I got a frame for my 100th uh, episode. First off, shout out to my brother for doing it, but... Seriously, what uh, Lauren and Gunner did over at uh, Art and Soul, I mean, was unreal. Uh, just the project, obviously, it means a, a ton to me, uh, encapsulating the 100 episodes, and she played her small part in it, but I can't wait to hang it up on the wall. Uh, they did an incredible, incredible job, and uh, just a huge shout-out to Art and Soul. She can do the same for you. Stop in Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m., or give her a call, 780-808-6313. It's more than just a frame. It's a story. Gartner Management is a Lloydminster-based company specializing in all types of rental properties to help meet your needs. Of course, he is the landlord of the Sean Newman podcast. And whether you're looking for a small office like me or a 6,000-square-foot commercial space, give Wade Gartner a call, 780-808-5025. SNP Billboard, have you seen it? Right across from the UFA, a huge shout-out to uh, Read and Write and uh, the talented work of Deanna Lawandler. They did an amazing, amazing job. If you're heading into any of these businesses, make sure to let them know you heard about them on the podcast. Uh, It helps me. It helps them. If you're interested in advertising on the show, visit SeanNewmanPodcast.com in the top right corner. Hit the contact button and send me your information, maybe a little blurb just about yourself. And we got lots of different options. And I want to find something that can work for the both of us. Now, let's get on to the T-Bar 1 tale of the tape. 
He's originally from Marshall, Saskatchewan. He was drafted in the 2008 NHL Entry Draft, 93rd overall by the Washington Capitals. Over his 10-year career with the Capitals, he has won a Vesna in 2016, a William M. Jennings Trophy in 2017. He tied a league record for most wins in a single season at 48. That's shared with Martin Broder. High company there. He is a five-time All-Star and hoisted the Stanley Cup in 2018. Of course, I'm talking about Braden Holtby. So buckle up. Here we go. Welcome to the Sean Newman Podcast. Tonight I'm joined by Braden Holtby. So first off, uh, thanks for hopping on. Thank you for having me. Yeah, well, you are uh, in the line of local players and current. You're the last in the line. I've been slowly picking them off. So, uh, it's, you know, I'm getting you now right before playoff starts, which is interesting. I thought I'd have you, you know, after all this is done. But it's cool to have you here. And uh, from a local standpoint, it's cool to get you on because, uh, you know, you're a re- very recognizable face. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, uh, you know, exciting. I think it's a pretty unique thing to be in the bubble and do well, let's, let's experience. Let's talk about the bubble because while well, you're giving me an inside look at it, uh, what has it been like so far and how long have you been in it thus far? Yeah, it's been actually really good. Um, we got here on the 26th. Um, so it's, uh, coming up on a week here in a couple of days and, um, no, it's been good. I think for how quickly they had to set everything up, um, it's pretty, uh, pretty well done. Um, as safe as possible, I think, and, uh, great hotel and weather's been nice too, which is nice. We've got the, we got BMO field, um, beside us so we can play on the grass and play some games and stuff. And it's been awesome. Not to mention time away from the kids. We were just joking about that before we started. But how uh, I'm sure it's mixed feelings because, one, you don't want to leave them and you don't know how long you're going for. But at the same time, being a father as well, getting a little bit of free time away from them must be uh, rather nice as well. It's been, been weird because that was the longest stretch I've ever been at home, you know, consistently. Um, and we were at home nowhere else. You know, we stuck, stuck together. So they're probably more excited to get rid of me for a little bit. <laughs> their way around but um yeah definitely didn't feel like going back on the road as normal just because we spent so much time together um uh but no I think they're uh they're excited they're um on their way you know to go back home and see grandparents and everything at some point so um I think it worked out good that way going into the bubble the only thing I can even remotely relate it to and maybe you can just poke holes in this theory but is it like going to like a bantam tournament where you're just in a hotel with a group of your buddies and I mean no parents along but kind of the same idea it kind of is because you you see the other teams obviously which is a little uh different you know <laughs> you know, guys from different things but while you're playing you know it's the we're all kind of in the same situation here and you're see so run, run into each other here and there um and there's really nothing else to do. You go to the rink and back, and that's that's how it is. So uh, it's unique, but it's uh, I think it's going to be a fun experience. How have you guys been passing the time at the hotel, or have you guys been busy with film and everything else, trying to prep? I think the first couple of days was just kind of figuring out the schedule more than anything because it's pretty dialed in when you're testing, when you're, um, you know, bus times to the rink is pretty – you know, usually there's leeway. You can take a, a t- cab or something. You can if you want to be early or whatever. But it's pretty, um, 
strict, especially the first few days. Uh, but other than that, you know, we've played a couple games, just got back from a wiffle ball game. Uh, a bunch of us were, us were playing and, you know, threw the ball around a little bit before. And it's kind of nice. It's Like I said, the weather's been good. So we've been outside and just kind of enjoying moving around other than our backyard, which has been the place of, of refuge for the last four months. Um, how excited were you guys to get back in, in the locker room? I mean, it's not your locker room, but, uh, were you as excited as the fans outside, uh, as soon as the hockey games came back on, were you guys kind of, you know, like a little bit of a jump in your step, so to speak, when you walked in the dressing room for the first time? Yeah, it was, it was different. Uh, obviously it always is when you come back from summer, but obviously with this, uh, just kind of with the different protocols and everything, trying to figure it out. But, um, I think once we started the, the phase three back in our training camp back in Washington, it was, it was exciting to get back um, and, and doing something. I mean, usual summer, you're, uh, you fill it up with either time back home or different trips or different projects or anything. And uh, the last few months have just been sitting in your house and just you know, finding time to, or finding ways to pass the time. So once we had something to actually do and accomplish, it was kind of exciting. What were you doing uh, with the kids and the wife in uh, the, the the shutdown? Were you reading a lot, I assume, or were you figuring out some new games for the kids, or how how were you all staying uh, while keeping each other busy and sane? Yeah, I mean, we definitely read a lot, and then I mean, watched different shows, ran out of those pretty quick, and the kids <laughs> were were uh, you know trying to find different ways of building lego and drawing or painting or you, know, you can only build so much lego yeah it's the uh, <laughs> you know, one, one good thing came out of it though is the kids actually get along after this you know they had had to come to terms that they're the only two that they could hang out with so they had to get along which was kind of nice <laughs> they're friends now <laughs> uh i i uh our children well we got three four and under and uh by the end well, even now, there's days where they're best of friends, and then there's days where they are the absolute worst of friends. So, and there's nowhere for them to go. It's it's yeah. you figure it out. Yeah, yeah. There's you just deal with it. What was one of the shows you were? Uh, what was your first go-to pickup on Netflix? Then, what what were you like? Ah, well, we got some time. We might as well finish this off. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, gonna go way back now. I think. We watched that uh, Hollywood on, on Netflix. It was it was really good, a little short mini series. Um, other than that, I mean, we we're we we're scraping the bottom of the barrel at the end. There was a couple nights where we <laughs> we watched a movie and we just looked at each other like that was a complete waste of time. Like, did you wa- did you watch the Last Dance? Yeah, I did. I, I watched that. It was uh, it was really interesting. Um, I think it was really well done. Um, I didn't know much about that. I grew up during that, you know, the jazz and the bulls, but I didn't know any of the, the story. I've heard stories of, of MJ um, through different, you know, people or whatever, but you don't really know for sure. And it's, uh, I think it was really well done. Done. It didn't, a lot of those shows will paint people in a perfect picture. And I think they, they did a good job of, of showing how people really are. Yeah. I, it was, uh, surprising how candid everybody was yeah it was. from all sides yeah i don't know how they managed to hold on to that footage for so long and not release it yeah i know right like yeah. i i'm 
uh, born in 86. So a little, a few years before you. So I remember a little bit about it, but like just seeing the stuff go on with Rodman and just leaving and going to Vegas and stuff. I'm like, can you imagine that now? Like yeah. that, that would never fly. Yeah. It's different, especially you know, their league to our league is completely, completely different how things are, are run. So it's, it was very interesting to see how that, uh, that dynamic works. Huh. Going back to the, the bubble, is there anything, you know, when you strolled in, you're like, huh, I didn't see that coming, or maybe the rink, like, how was the first game? You guys played uh, Carolina. Um, like, from a fan watching, I wasn't sure how it was going to look. It looks like you're playing in a video game. That, that's pretty much what they constructed the rink to look like. When you're on the bench, like, is it just, well, this is interesting, or is it is it a pretty cool atmosphere considering? Yeah, it's, it's strange because, I mean, uh, when I was, I played the first two periods. So when I was playing, I honestly didn't know the difference of there or a, or a regular game. I don't, I don't really listen to crowd, crowd noise anyways. So really, yeah, I, I didn't know, notice a difference at all. But then when I sat out the last period, it really, you know, it's eerie a little bit. And that's what the guys are saying too, that when they were on the ice, it, it didn't, uh, didn't feel any different, but when they got back on the bench, especially if there's a power player penalty killer some sometime where you're not playing for a while, it was hard to get back into it that way. But I think, I mean, on the ice, I don't think we hear as much noise as people think we do. I think it, a lot of the noise is canceled out by the glass and, and where we are. So um, it didn't seem much different for me. Even with, even with, uh, well, I mean, you guys start Monday and, uh, what are they calling those games, Braden? Are they just round robin? Seating round? I don't know. I, I don't know what they're calling it. Uh, but with those games going on and, and everything starting Saturday, when, when playoffs are kicking off, uh, I assume you had to hear the crowd when you're skating out, home game, game one, fans are going nuts. Do you hear that? Or you're in the zone right from the get-go? Yeah, no, that was a little different. I mean, the start of the game obviously is strange because – there's no one there it's a you know but once the play starts and I mean you're a little bit more fortunate as a goalie that you're kind of engaged in the game the entire time um but in between whistles there's really you know it will be strange as the playoffs go on the big games where there is a constant loud noise um but as far as a regular season game between whistles there really isn't uh, um much noise to begin with especially in markets that that understand hockey I think a lot of the middle markets where it's more of a party, it gets a little louder. But if you go to especially Canadian city or Chicago or New York, even Washington's a bit like that is when the game's on guys, people are watching, not cheering. So it, it doesn't, uh, doesn't seem that much different that way. Hmm. How about, uh, I've been trying to listen for it and I, I think I hear it, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. Um, is it just on the broadcast? They're pumping in a little crowd noise too, or do when you guys score goals or anything so when when we score the horn goes off and and they play like their wind song or whatever or goal song um but the the crowd noise you hear on the on the feed isn't in the building it's just on the feed. do they have uh your horn as well like from know. your building i i honestly couldn't tell you what our goal horn sounds like <laughs> or what the song is after and I, I have no idea <laughs> well, let's, let's, uh, you know, I, I was very interested when I, when, in, uh, I knew you were going to be coming on. I was like, Oh, got to ask some questions about the bubble. Cause I'm like, 
who knows if you're going to get another opportunity to sit down with five or 10 guys sitting in the bubble. Um, but the reason I, I sit across from guys, I really like to hear about their journey and, and how they get from point A to point B and you coming from a farm, um, you know, just, uh, beside Marshall, Saskatchewan. Um, I thought maybe we could go back, uh, to when you're younger, were you always wanted to be a goalie? Was goaltending in your blood right from the get-go or were, did you start out as like high flying winger and somehow you fell in love with the pads? No, I've always wanted to be goalie. I think a lot of that has to do with my dad being a goalie. I wanted to be like him and, and I played both. I played everywhere for years till I was 12, 12, maybe 11 or 12. Um, I love both, but I, I mean, we, I played in Lashburn, so we had a pretty small area to, to draw from for players to begin with. Um, so we were never strong. We were never good or anything like that. And I just, as a goalie, you feel like you can, you're in the action, you know, I got tons of shots and everything. And that's kind of, I found that was the way that I could maybe try and con- contribute the most. Um, so that's where I really started to like it but I mean I was growing up I I think my dad will t- say it too I mean I was not a very good goalie I was much better as, as a as a forward or defenseman um but I just I like goaltending I like the mental aspect of it and hey, as time went on I don't know if that was a good idea or not but uh, when I was young it was sure a lot of fun <laughs> I don't know you got uh, some pretty uh, high awards for being a goaltender. You, uh, um, well, my brother Dustin, who uh, was on the coaching staff the first year you uh, came to Lloyd under the Bantam AAA Corlac Heat, uh, told me years and years and years ago that you were going to be in the NHL. And we kind of chuckled about it. And I kind of wrote it up to Dustin just being like, sure, Dust, right? <laughs> and then when you were slowly making your ranks up in, uh, with Hershey into Washington, you know, in the Washington farm system, uh, the brothers, I got three older brothers we were talking about, yeah, and they're like, you know, Oilers should really trade for him before he becomes a household name. And we kind of chuckled about that. And then, I mean, now you look at it and you're like, yeah, that would have that, that been pretty smart, right? So I think all the work you've done is is pretty uh, impressive to say the least. I don't think anyone would argue that. I mean, I've been pretty fortunate along the way. Got a nice break to be able to get into the league and and played on some good teams, which is always uh, good for a goaltender. But, um, yeah, it's been, the, been a fun ride so far. How about the Midwest Red Wings? Did you ever play for Midwest? I feel like you did in there somewhere. Yeah, I played for uh, two, two years in there, one, one Peewee year and one Bantam year. Um, and the, the year I played Bantam, I think the team folded the, year, the next year because we were so bad. Uh, we won one game. <laughs> and I remember we won that one game and it was like we won the like Stanley Cup it was we were so excited um but yeah that's and then that's when I moved to Lloyd and, and played with the, the Heat after that how was how was the transition uh from small town Saskatchewan not that Lloyd's by any stretch of the imagination a giant center but it would have been a big adjustment because uh, I'm assuming you would have had to switch schools and everything like that yeah it was it was different for sure um I wasn't a very outgoing kid to, to begin with. Uh, I was pretty shy and, and uh, kept to myself. And I moved to Lloyd, and obviously the first little bit was different. You know, you, I hadn't even made the, the heat yet or any of that. It was kind of 
up in the air. And then I uh, met some of my best friends, you know, still my best friends in, in the world um, that first year in school. And got uh, Brody Foster, I'm sure you know. He, he took me under his wing and, <laughs> and uh, showed me the ropes and uh, I've never been the same since. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but we've, st- we've stuck through it through and through. <laughs> He was uh, telling me growing up you had quite the temper is what I'd been uh, – he was recounting to me. Yeah, yeah, I was uh, – that was something I had to deal with. It wasn't until I turned professional where I really kind of got under under control, but I was way, way too competitive about everything, you know. Was, um, and yeah, I, eventually my dad made, made sure that I was buying my own sticks because I was breaking too many over the crossbar and – I was, uh, yeah, I mean, hockey, sports, baseball was my entire life. That's what I put everything into. And if something went wrong, I just couldn't figure out a way out to deal with it. Um, Which is ironic now because aside from hockey, I'm really not competitive in in much anything anymore. I've kind of turned the corner, kind of fought fought those demons. And, and, uh, but yeah, I have, I don't think it was much fun to be a be a teammate of in those you know younger years. I think I probably wasn't a wasn't a good influence in in, in a lot of those ways. How did you uh, How did you get it under control then, Brain? Um, well, I met my uh, uh, goalie coach, sports psychologist, and, and right before I played junior in Saskatoon was John Stevenson kind of just the understanding a sports psych um, world was took some time for me. You know, I, I grew up, my favorite player was Patrick Waugh and I just thought, you know, intensity, intensity, that's the mental toughness of everything. Um, and he taught me that that's not, that's not true. That's not the, the way for sustained success. You know, you might have a great game, but the next game you, you don't know, you're playing with fire. Um, so trying to figure out those, and I, I, my first goalie coach in, in, uh, in Washington, you know, the one thing he said when I went first few practices or whatever, he'd say, I'm trying too hard to be perfect, you know, and I'm creating bad habits. Like if the goal goes in, but you're doing the right thing, you know, it doesn't matter. And that was like, you know, I had, I had no idea how to process that at first. Cause I was like, no, the goal can't go in. Like I, I can't let those, you know, every shot is not allowed in that, you know, and to realize that that was actually hurting me instead of helping me, it was, uh, that helped a lot to, to learn that, that message. Do you remember the first time you sat down with John Stevenson? You know, it, that is, uh, I was saying to you before we're, we're, I'm in Banff with my wife and I was, she's from Minnesota. She's not a, uh, avid hockey fan by any stretch of the imagination. So I was explaining who you are and, and uh, why in the middle of our anniversary trip, I'm going to sit down and talk to you. <laughs> and I was explaining uh, John Stevenson and, and kind of what I know about him and um, the water trick and some different things about uh, tools in the toolbox and, and, and things like that. And I, I'm preaching in the choir here because obviously, you know, all more, a heck of a lot more than I do. But uh, I feel like that must have been hard for a guy who was extremely competitive to hear things like you need to be calm. Yeah, it was, uh, I'm sure Johnny tells it better because he has some pretty good stories of me when I was young, you know, yelling at him. He's a little more candid than I would be with, with the stories. <laughs> but, 
um yeah I, I took some time to to especially with the first like breathing exercises we did i thought he was wacko and i, I was like this isn't this doesn't work you know this is for the birds and then um so what was the moment then that you know you're going like this is absolutely like insane what am i doing here but when did it click um that's a good question actually uh so he would have he became our goalie coach in Saskatoon with the blades and probably would have been you know i i i had uh started to kind of buy into some of his stuff feel you know, the first couple of years i played i got drafted and then my last year junior i i had signed or was in the middle of contract talks to sign my first pro deal in the middle of the season and we were playing the oil kings that day so it just happened that we were in Edmonton where John was and and I remember I was just a, a mess because I was like this is everything I've worked for like this is it. my complete goal was to sign a pro contract like I couldn't put it together and I was nervous and I couldn't figure out how to put the game and and that's where he kind of he talked me through it was like I was just brought me down like he said what what made you what brought you to this point and you know through some breathing exercises and after that I was calm and I think we won you know two one or something like that and after that I was like this this stuff works you know I might have to figure this out in order to, to be consistent and that's probably when I f first started real really buying in it didn't happen overnight that I got good at it it took a while after that but that was kind of the first time i was like okay this this there's some behind this that, that works i know um i'm sure you get asked this probably all the time but the water the water trick behind the net when you squirt it up uh I've, as soon as i mentioned you were coming on that's come up an awful lot could you explain to the listeners what you're doing there with the water bottle uh squirting the water yeah i uh i actually started this when i was in i think i was in hershey or south carolina where there wasn't cameras and people. So I'd never thought it would be something where people would see it a lot, you know, it's a, and then you're in the NHL and they notice every little bit you do. Um, but no, I'd, I'd had trouble sometimes when, when, uh, you know, my focus or, or my mental state wasn't perfect, you know, your vision kind of gets shaky. Uh, and it's, I was having trouble figuring out how to get that. And John kind of went through a lot of, if you focus on something small, far away or, or something and you just zone in on that it'll bring your vision back to kind of a um point zero that that kind of thing and i just uh coupled that with every, you know if i get scored on or after a save or anything i want to do the same thing after to kind of bring me back to um to that same mental state no matter what and that just kind of started i kind of put the two together and squirt water up i kind of did that already just uh, as the old, it's a kind of a habit hockey players have is so you don't get trucked or tricked with the undo the top of the, the water bottle trick. You know, you squirt it before to make sure you're not going to dump the whole thing on your face. So that's, that's, I've always just done that. And then I realized I could zone in on a little droplet of water and kind of help the vision out too. And that's just kind of a refocusing tactic with some, some mental ideas or visual ideas behind it as well. Bet you know every goaltender probably has the same thought. But you, you said when when you get to the NHL, they watch everything you do, and every goalie has like something very specific to them. 
you know, and yours is the water bottle trick behind the net. It just, it's become very, you know, right beside what you do, your name. And then there's the picture of you squirting the water. It's yeah. uh, I, I could think of a lot worse things to be known for. Yeah. yeah it was that. And the, also in the, before the game, I'll go on the bench and do the visual exercises with my eyes and stuff. And I always went on the bench before then because there's no one in the building. And I was like, I don't want anyone to see me doing this weird stuff. You know, like, that's the reason I went out there to start with. <laughs> I was like, like if my teammates see me doing this or something like that. I don't want, I don't need that ribbing every day. And then sure enough, there's cameras out there too. So you're not safe anywhere. I was chuckling with uh, one of my brothers there a couple, three days ago when I said, I, I think I got Brain Holby coming on there. Oh, that's really cool. And I, I just sat down with Kelly Rudy there uh, about a week and a half ago. And I was laughing at Kelly because Kelly taught, didn't start playing hockey till he was 12 and his parents made him sit out his first year so he could teach himself how to skate. And then from there, he, he you know, he just kind of progresses. Right. And he talks his entire career about like watching what every other goalie does because he doesn't have, you know, a psychologist and a goalie coach and all these things. He's kind of just like flying by the seat of his pants and then and, and still really good at it, right? And then we go, we fast forward ahead to you and you're talking about vision training or training your eyes to help focus and, and so many things. Do you ever sit back and look at what it takes now to be a goaltender and just be like, man, this is like compared to what they were 30 years ago, it is just light years difference. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I, I count myself as, as very fortunate in the fact that I, kind of got the bo- the best of both of that because I grew up in a small town. I didn't have, like, you see some kids now and they're, you know, 10, nine years old and they have all these different coaches and all this structure and playing all year round. And it's like, it it just blows my mind that, that you know, that, and then they don't make it obviously because they're, you're worn out. And it's, uh, um, growing up, there was always like, baseball and hockey were my two things. I'd never played hockey in the summer and I didn't have specialized coaches. You know, I had my dad, I had freedom, you know, freedom to fool around in a game or practice or on the pond or, you know, outdoor rink. And it was, uh, that, you know, aspect, I think helped my skating, helped my just love for the game. That way it wasn't a business until I, you know, turned into probably junior and stuff. And then that's when I got that, you know, training that not a lot of people have. So, and a lot of people have, so it's, it's a kind of a fine line, you know, you gotta, you gotta get that training at some point, but you also have to find the love for the game. That's not just play hockey because you're Canadian and you're good at it. I think it's a, um, you gotta find that happy medium in there somewhere. Well, if you make it to where you're at, you gotta love it because you just don't get to show up anymore. You know, like you're back in the, and nothing against the guys back in the sixties, but they didn't train all, you know, pretty much all summer and walk into practice and first couple of weeks, you kind of go through the motions and then, you know, you kind of figure it out as you go. It's a little different now. So you got to make sure that um, you enjoy what you're doing. And I think that stretches to all of life, right? Like, I mean, that's not just a hockey player. That's the car salesman all the way up to the, the, the hockey superstar. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta find that piece somehow that you enjoy what you, you do, but you know, it's still work. You still, you know, grind your way through it, but you, in the end, it's it's worth it. And, and I think that's uh, I wouldn't have that view if I if I didn't have the 
the childhood I did, I think around the game, which I, um, with the outdoor rinks and the ponds and, and just fooling around, you know, having fun. I think that's, uh, uh, where I fell in love with the game anyways. Well, you mentioned playing for, uh, the blades and your, your father was a goaltender for the blades as well. Um, I know what it meant to me, uh, and this is on a very small level, but I, now that I was moved back to where I grew up in Hillmont and got to play senior there, I got to pull on my dad's Jersey number. And, in, and that meant a lot. And in blades in Saskatoon, you got to wear number one, like your father. Was that a pretty cool moment for you? Yeah, it was, it was, uh, cause when I growing up before I, I got drafted there, like that was, you know, my dream was to, you know, play in the NHL, win a Stanley Cup, and play for the Saskatoon Blades. Like, that was just one, two, three. It was uh, – and, yeah, when I remember watching the draft, and we were – I think it was with, with Fozzie at the time and, and Bishop Lloyd Middle School during – I think the teachers were nice enough to let us watch it during during school. And, you know, rounds and rounds go by, and then finally it popped up in Saskatoon. I was just blown away. Um, how that worked out and luckily enough I was able to make the team and it was it was cool I mean that was what I grew up I, I'd go to Jersey Day at school with my dad's jersey you know Blades jersey on so it was um, you know something that you know I, I cherish more and more as time goes on as that time with the Blades because it's a um, pretty special place for our, for our family and you know myself it was pretty pretty fortunate that way have you have you two been able to go back to like an alumni event for Saskatoon? Oh, we haven't yet. No, I, I mean, uh, a lot of that. It's so tough during the you know, when you're still playing because your your seasons are are they're the exact same time. So it's uh, I haven't other than you know a couple teammates that I've um, ran into playing against and uh, it's our old trainer. A uh, few times in the last few years, he was actually luckily he came out to our Stanley Cup party, which was uh, very special to have him there. Uh, he, he meant a lot, you know, to me earlier too. But other than that, I haven't seen any of those guys. Um, looking forward to the time comes where you can get back together that way. I think that'll be a um, fun. Actually, one of the guys is Linesing in the NHL now too. One of my ex teammates, so got to see him this year. Um, but other than that, it's. Uh, It'd be fun to get an alumni uh, thing together at some point. Well, I bring it up because it's – I mean, there's there's definitely NHL guys where their their father or their brother or what have you have played. Um, not always for the same team, though. And I, I think it'd be – it's got to be unique to go back. You know, the Blades have an alumni event, and you and your father both fit in there like a dirty shirt, right? Both playing for them. That'd be something that not everybody gets to experience. Yeah, and especially if you got a you know, a lot of our old teammates, especially his team. You know, there's some pretty big legends that he played with too. That, um, you know, I think he still keeps in touch. He does a way better job of keeping in touch with with those guys than I do, which I think comes with that generation. I think it's more you know, you pick up a phone and call someone. I think we we don't do that as much and probably should. Um, but yeah, with uh, uh, like Wendell and. And those guys that he played with, he, he still keeps in touch with them. It's pretty, it's pretty cool. What was maybe one of the lessons your dad taught you? You know, having a guy, a father who played in the dub, was there something he 
passed along to you at a young age that that helped? Uh, so obviously, there's there's a lot, um, a lot of little lessons here and there. Um, you know, one of the biggest things that helped me when I was young was somebody. You know, him in general, as you say, he's very calm. Um, but you see a lot of hockey parents, they're very uh, uptight and hard. And, and I, you know, can't thank, you know, him enough that he was never like that. He never, he got mad at me once. I can still remember. I can see the picture of the day. Uh, I was I was playing forward or D or something, and he was calling for a change, and I ignored him. I stayed on the ice. And I did not go over well. I was, he was not happy about that. But like, if if I had a bad game or something went wrong, like he could have cared less as long as I was trying hard. And he, the one thing he told told me when I was young, he's like, if everyone has bad games, just don't have two in a row. You know, and that kind of stuck with me, especially when I was early in the in my career, where when you're a kid, especially junior, going through the minors, you know you put so much emphasis on every game. It feels like the end of the world if you have a bad game and to just have that, you know, it happens. Make sure tomorrow, you know, you, you get up and you, you do everything to have a good game. I think that was a pretty good uh, thing to, to learn at a young age. I should probably also bring up your mother. Without your mother, I don't know if I ever would have got, got you on here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> good old moms. They're, they're, uh... I, go, I go into hiding, so she, she gets mad at me sometimes. <laughs> no she was funny i just uh you know we we come from the same town or the same area and so i just i'm like you know i bet if i talk to brayden's mom i can get this done right i've talked to a bunch of people before that and i tell you what moms get uh, they make shit happen <laughs> yeah I'm a, I, I i hide out a lot so she's usually the one that'll get mad at me for being too, too, too alone <laughs> to actually be in touch with the world sometimes, I guess. I think I made Holt be blush talking about his mom, folks. <laughs> um, how about the NHL draft? Uh, you know, you mentioned the Bantam draft, watching it in school and, and kind of seeing that uh, when you get selected and that mean a lot. Um, did you go to the NHL draft or did you watch it from afar? Yeah, we went. Um... It was actually one of the, the best and worst experiences at the same time, I think, because um, it was really exciting for me because a lot of you know, my grandparents came with me, obviously my parents, my sister, um, and a couple of good friends, good family friends, uh, TJ and Georgina Altman, that I basically called them family. Um, so it was so exciting to have everyone there. We were in Ottawa and never, we'd never been there and, my agent took us for a you know, great dinner before, which, you know, I was farm kid and stuff. And it was a pretty experience, pretty good experience that way. But um, rankings and everything like that, I I was supposed to go a lot higher than I eventually did. Um, so that was a little stressful thing on everyone else too. I, I honestly didn't really put too much emphasis on, on where I was going. I still found it amazing that I get picked at all. I was, pretty shocked at that but I know you could tell as time went on people get more tense and everything so when I finally got called I I wasn't expecting Washington at all because they just drafted two young goalies and in, in the first rounds you know before that and um but overall it was a it was 
pretty fun experience just to have everyone there and see that hard work kind of pay off, especially having my grandparents there was pretty cool. Why number 70? <laughs> this is usually the second question after the, the water bottle. <laughs> um, I showed up my first development camp in, in Washington and that was hanging in my stall. So they gave you number 70. Yeah. They gave me number 70 right from, from the start. I looked at it and I was like, all right, guy, I got some work to do. <laughs> that's where they, that's the high hopes they had for me, I guess. <laughs> I'll give this guy number 70. So I stuck with it during camps and then I got called up kind of out of nowhere, played a few games. And then I, I saw someone with a 70 jersey, you know, a be 70 jersey. And I was like, well, can't change it now. We're sticking with this. I can't make that guy go, you know, buy a new jersey. What, what jersey would you have taken if you, if you could, if they would have been like, listen, Brandon, you can take any jersey you want. What number do you want? I, I had no idea at that time. Um, I know I didn't want one. It was just kind of, it was just boring to me. Um, it was awesome to have it with the blades, but. Uh, growing up, Patrick Wall was my guy with 33. Um, but as I got older, I didn't like him as much, you know, as I started to actually understand who, um, you know, the game a little bit more. Um, Flurry was a, a big guy of mine, so 29, but I was like, well, that's a division rival. Can't exactly do that. Um, so I had, I had no idea. I, I was, uh, I was kind of, just fortunate. I thought 70 looked kind of cool. I was like, well, they did it for me. We'll just stick with it. Yeah. You should thank that equipment manager or whoever picked it. Cause I was thinking in my head, I'm like, man, 70 is a ballsy number to pick. Cause I mean, you know, that's not flying under the radar whatsoever. No, but, but now 70 is like maybe one of the most kick-ass goalie numbers. Like it's, it's pretty, like, it's an awesome number. And yeah, I would have never, you know, 15 years ago, if you would have said 70 for a goalie, you would have been like, Seven, yeah, right. I know. Weird. I mean, because they they would go, they would give the the goalies that they had hopes for. They gave them normal numbers in wash, and then all of us other goalies, it just went up by tens. So there was like a fifty, a sixty, a seventy, an eighty, a ninety in training camp, and I was seventy. So I was like, all right, that fuel you a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was, it was. I mean, it definitely made made sure that I knew I wasn't going to get anything for granted. That's for sure. But um, I didn't put too much in it. It's more of a funny story than anything. There's, there's just no no rhyme or reason number seventy other than the fact that it it was there the first day I got to wash. Yeah. Now it's you know an icon- iconic jersey number. I think there's only been seven guys. I don't know why I know that stat. That's kind of more random. I think there's only been seven guys to wear number seventy. Like it's it's a very small number. Yeah, right? it's, it's, not, it's, it's not a jersey that's associated with anybody but you now. Yeah, I, I know. It's kind of strange. I don't know. It's a weird, it's still weird seeing kids or someone, I know, like, like Carter Hart wore it with, with Everett. Um, and because, uh, you know, he grew up watching me, which is, makes me feel old. <laughs> You're not old. Point, but also, <laughs> like... It's weird because, you know, if you see someone with 70, you're like, there's a good chance that it's, you know, because of me and it's, it's really, you know, embarrassing and humbling at the same time. It's, it's pretty, you know, cool. That still uh, shocks you when guys are wearing number 70, doesn't? 
Yeah, it does. It's, you, know, you make the you know question their choice and 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 heroes, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, you uh, good thing then you weren't around Lloyd when you guys were on your Stanley Cup run. Uh, the amount of Washington Capitals, Braden Holtby gear uh, roaming the city was impressive. Yeah, that was, as it as it should be. Yeah, that was fun. That was. Uh, I never expected it to be such a you know. You just see, I'm not a, I don't have a ton of social media or anything, but you still see the, you know, pictures my parents would send me or anyone would just, you know, different parties or whatever. And everyone would kind of bought in and I was like, our team was our, you know, people followed us and it was, it was uh, so cool that it, it meant so much to everyone just to, just to add a little bit of, of joy to everyone was pretty fun. See on your one arm, you got a tattoo of the Stanley Cup. Did you guys get that after you won? Yeah, we went for tattoos a few days after. Not a great state of mind when we when we went, <laughs> but it was fun. It was a lot of fun. Uh, I I mean I I probably should have picked a different location or something after. I'm like okay, that's kind of out there for everyone to see. But at the time it was, it was just like I just you know you always you see guys with. Uh, tattoos we all I always said I would get one if we ever won and and we were, we went to the Nationals game baseball game and then we were going to uh, like patio after and we we're just like yep let's go get tattoos so I texted the guy that has done the rest of mine and he's like yeah come on over and there's 10 of us or something and we ordered pizza in there and some of the photos that were taken are just amazing of some of the guys getting tattoos and just hammered out of their minds and just on cloud nine and you know it, it was it was it was fun one of those experiences that that'll stick with me you know forever yeah one of those surreal moments where you can almost step outside your body and watch yeah it was like you we owned everything in that city it was just like you, nothing mattered it was like we this is the best everything's gonna get we're just gonna you know have fun and do whatever. And it, it was, everyone was happy every time, everywhere we went, people were, you know, excited. And it was, uh, you know, you definitely, uh, it's definitely worth it. All the, all the work that went into it. Well, you being in the bubble and about to start playoffs, I really didn't want to talk too much about winning. Cause I'm like, I know he's trying to get ready and rolling for what's, what's about to come. Um, but how much fun was it swimming in the, in the, in the pond, in yeah. the fountain? It was fun. It was, uh, I remember it was so, it was hot out. Uh, DC gets so hot in the summer and Osh, Osh was, we looked at each other and we're like, I just wish we could go swimming right now. We just looked at the, the fountain. We're like, let's go in. So we ran in there and then guys followed and all of a sudden next thing, you know, Ovi's in there and people are taking pictures and yeah, it was, I don't know. It was, uh, it was uh, that was the closest water we could get. We weren't going to jump in the Potomac River because we'd come up with a disease of some sort. That was actually – the fountain is definitely cleaner than the Potomac. So we, we took the lesser of the two evils. How was uh, how was partying with Mr. Ovechkin and Oshi for that matter? But I, I think everybody – Ovechkin's smile still hasn't faded. Yeah, yeah. You could, you could see there was a definite weight, you know, taken off his shoulders and – um yeah we we actually we didn't see much of him to be honest he has his 
kind of following there that he en- enjoyed it with for the most part. You know, we saw him a little bit, but Osh, Osh was fun. He, all the guys, it was just a, it was a lot of, uh, a lot of days of just, you know, the relief for the guys that have been there for so long, I think was, was more than anything in the, you know, young guys that were there for their first year or something. It was just a, a mixture of a lot of fun emotions and a lot of days of, of, having fun and then being tired and then having fun again and then realizing how tired you are and doing it all over again. How was, how was hoisting the night of you guys have just won? Was it feather light? Yeah. I mean, I, it was, it's strange because everything happened so quick. I guess, uh, you, you won. It was a, a hard game, um, right down to the end. And then, you know, you get to lift it and skate around a bit. And I got it a bit. Obviously, Obi did his, his lap with it, but I got it and I was just like, this is exciting, but I want, I don't want like anyone else to miss out. I want to give it to the next guy. Um, so it was, it was fun. I, I mean, I was in between, uh, I think it was, I think Beagle gave it to, Beagle gave it to John Carlson and John gave it to me, which the three of us had been together through the minors right from day one all the way up like there's and so that was that was really cool to that kind of lineup do that and then you take the picture and then it was just chaos on the ice there's media everywhere you get to see your family but you're getting pulled left and right for different interviews here and there and it was just a complete chaos we were on the ice and and Obi had it to start and then he just took it to the locker room before anyone else had it. So we were panicking where the cup was. We were all other families out there. We're like, where is, where is that cup? And, um, as we had to go get it. So Tom Wilson actually is a funny story because he ran back in the locker room to go get it through the cement. Like, cause he obviously don't care at that point. So he went to skate the next the next summer and forgot that he was <laughs> on the cement running down. He had no edges at all. He couldn't skate the first, first time he went to skate. It was, um, but no, it was fun. And then we, the party in the locker room after is unbelievable. It was just so, so fun, but it all happened so fast. It was kind of a blur. How about bringing it, uh, every NHLer, wins the cup gets the day with the cup to take it where he wants most of them take it back home and you know i could be wrong on this so somebody will probably correct me if i'm wrong on this but for this area i believe you're the first and only guy to bring it back here what did it mean or not what did it mean what what was maybe one of your favorite parts of that day of of bringing it back to this community or what sticks out or maybe the whole thing sticks out it was definitely, I, I got very fortunate. Um, you usually only have it for one day, but with the travel schedule, I was able to get it the night before our day as well. Um, and just the, that day and a half was, it was so perfect in, in different ways. Cause the, the first night we just had some people over at our house at our place at Sandy and, um, bunch of my friends from all over North America came and, and we just sat around the campfire, played music and with the cup in the background, some of the photos we got were, um, you know, 
awesome. It was just so, so cool. So we had that first night that was very intimate. Um, and then the next day we took to Lashburn. That was kind of the, the one thing that I, I knew from the start, that was, that was where I was going to take it. Cause Lashburn's where I grew up playing. That's where I, um, all my roots are for playing hockey is, is in that, that town. Um, and yeah, I kind of, I was kind of mixed emotions cause I kind of wished the old rink was still there. You know, that's what I remember. Uh, you see this big fancy arena now and I'm like, this was not like, where's the mold in the showers? Like, come on. It's <laughs> <laughs> a little, uh, so it was, but it was just awesome to see the, it was unfortunate that we had to turn some people down for pictures and autographs just because there wasn't enough time. I never expected the turnout to be what it, what it was, you know, um, but just seeing the kids and old, old friends, old teammates that I hadn't seen since we played together, probably, um, old family friends, old neighbors. It was, uh, awesome. And then we, we took it back to Sandy. I took it to my sister's, uh, vet clinic, which was uh, pretty cool at the farm, um, for a bit, which was, uh, um, mixed emotions. I lost my grandpa, um, earlier, you know, that, it was probably a month before. Um, so that was, that was tough to see it, but it also was pretty, um, pretty special to have it there at that time. I think it brought a lot of happier emotions, um, to that time. And I think it was, uh, it, it couldn't have been any more special of a time to, to share with everyone that, you know, helped me get to where I, where I eventually ended up. With the group you guys have currently and the success you guys, you know, for a lot of years now, the Washington Capitals have been, I'd argue, top five team in the NHL. Some will put you higher, some will put you a little less, but very good. Very, very good. When you look at what is ahead of you right now and the opportunity, um, are you guys just salivating like, okay, we got another crack here and see where this goes. I mean, everybody, it, are, were you, are you excited about the possibility of how this is all playing out now? Yeah, we definitely have you know, as good a shot as anyone. And I think a tournament like this, I don't know if, you know, obviously we've never been a part of it before, but I think we had a good training camp. Everyone's excited to be back. And um, it's, it's, bizarre at the same time it's it's fun because you know we're get gonna get into fun games right from the start it's um and we know we have as good a shot as anyone to win and you ride it out and just you know have some fun and do everything you can to win and see where you end up i think it's a pretty unique uh opportunity for us and, and for every team here i think everyone's in the same boat but it's gonna you know create a lot of uh, a lot of good hockey and, you know, in a unique situation, it'll be fun. Well, there's a lot of people who found a way to hook up a 50 inch flat screen outside by the, the lake or wherever else, because they're, I mean, for the first time, once again, talking to my wife about this, cause she's not a giant, uh, hockey fan. I'm like, you know, there's going to be hockey like 10 AM every day for like three weeks. Like this is going to be bloody epic. I mean, how do you, how do you go to work? I'm going to have to find a way to like figure a way so you can just have the games always streaming because never in the history 
has there going to be this good of hockey for this long? And so as fans, I think we're all, I didn't think I'd ever want to watch hockey in August. I got to be very, very honest. I think I talk about that like two months ago, like, ah, just, just postpone the season. Let's start again. But now that it's here and it's a very good possibility with what everything they got going on, man, it's exciting. Um, do you think, you know, as a former Stanley Cup champ, is there an asterisk beside it if you win it this way? With the way it, way it's set up? I think inevitably it's, there's going to be things tied to that. Um, I think the fact that we're doing a full playoff setup, though, it's still going to be hard. It's going to be – you're going to earn it, you know. But it's, it's kind of just like the lockout year when we played half the season. You still – you say, like, you won in a lockout year, you know, kind of that kind of thing. You still won though. Um, Your name's still on the trophy. Yeah, it's still going to be hard. It's still, but it's it's going to be different. Inevitably, no matter what, you can't change it. It's going to be different than every almost every other year uh, that someone's won. But it it's going to be just as hard. Um, so I, I don't think you can take anything away from the team that wins it. But things are just the way it is. It's going to be a unique year and you, people will realize that and you just got to come to terms with it. Well, we've been going for, I want to say I didn't start the timer, but I want to say around 45 ish minutes. Do I still got you for a few, a uh, few more? Yeah. I'm, I'm in a bubble, man. <laughs> <laughs> bubble life. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're uh do you remember your? Uh, I think your first game in the NHL was a was a call up. I, I think you, you you get called up, and then I actually think, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I think Neuverth gets hurt, and you go in uh, in the third. And is, is that kind of bang on? Am I in the ballpark there? Yeah, yeah. He got he got pulled against Boston, and I I went in for you know 15 minutes or something. So for the 15 minutes, was that? I always ask players if, you know, an exhibition game is their actual first game or if, like, the actual first regular season game is their first game. And guys always are like, oh, no, it's the first regular season game where you're dressed. Okay, fair enough. So for a goalie, does getting put in like that count as your first game or is it your first start that you look back on and, like, nah, that was my first start or no, going in for 15 minutes was still going in? Yeah, I mean, that counts as your first game. I'd say it's – it still does, but obviously your first start you, means more. I remember more about that. Um, when I got put in, it was it was awful. I it was. <laughs> what, do you, what do you mean, uh, nerves? Yeah, like I, I told this story before, but I'd I'd been up for a month or something just with injuries, and I hadn't played like I'd, every game, and and we were up three nothing going into the third, and I had this awful bursa on my ankle. Um, so I don't know if you've seen when bursts get inflamed they get you know huge so it would like just a swelling that would hang over my skate it was gross like it, my roommates and her she named it and it yeah it was awful <laughs> what so was his name what was his name it was sean john was his name <laughs> he's not there anymore but yeah um so it and when i'd sit out it would just ache and it would kill so we were up three nothing one and a third so i ended my skate and just did it real loose. And then they scored three goals in like three minutes. They put me in. So I played for the, until the next TV timeout with my skate undone. It was like hanging off. 
I was so nervous. My knees were shaking. I couldn't skate because my skate wasn't, un- wasn't tied up. Uh, so TV timeout comes out. I'm taking my pad off and doing my skate up. <laughs> so my, was yeah, everybody yeah. like, uh, hopefully you want to pull it together here? <laughs> I guess it. Luckily, I think I had three shots and a couple were dumpings. The, guy, <laughs> the guy's probably like, okay, we can't let this guy <laughs> do the work. <laughs> finally get a crack at your dream and you got one skate undone that's like every kid's nightmare yeah it was like every the nightmare where you can't get your gear on yeah you just struggle there's no way you can get on the ice that was it yeah (laughs) how about your first real start you play uh the philadelphia flyers yeah it was uh a lot better i did my skates up (laughs) that's a that's a good start um no i think it was a day or two after. Um, so the next game I, I got to start there and uh, my dad and, and Kevin Eager, who is my dad's best friend, I call him, my, he's been my uncle, you know, they flew in for the game, which was perfect. You know, that's a, one of the things you feel bad for a lot of kids. They get told that so late that they can't have their family there or anything. But uh, luckily my dad and, and Kev found a, quickest flight to get there and, and we're there to watch it so that was um good and we won which was even better um but yeah I, those moments you never forget who was uh what sticks out about your first game your first start not your first game your first start i mean having your skates untied in your first start that's something but your actual first or your first game sorry your first start uh is there something that sticks out um a player a play uh, the atmosphere, all of it. Yeah, I mean, obviously he was playing against Hartsey, so uh, when he was in Philly, uh, so that was that was cool because I, I I'd known him a little bit, but not a ton. He was still kind of the the big shot that you know us kids looked up to. Um, so he came over and said congrats. Like that was that was pretty cool. Um, I think I can remember like one save on a two on one or something. And that's about it. The rest is, I can't, I can't remember any of it. What do you listen to? I think I had read somewhere that you say goaltenders are weird because, or there's probably one of the reasons goaltenders are weird (laughs) is because instead of that, at the start of a game, uh, you're most guys, well, a player tries to get amped up and, I've heard you talk where you're trying to calm yourself down and you listen to things like Sinatra and stuff like that. Is that, is that true? Yeah. yeah. When I go to the rink, it's usually, it was Sinatra for a long time. Um, but it's always something along that, something more, uh, relaxing. Um, yeah, it's, it's different and that's, you can't, you can't be amped up every game as a goalie. It just doesn't, go well um because you don't know if you're going to go 15 shots without a, or minutes without a shot or you're going to get peppered right from you know you got to find that even even keel so it's it's different all that you know music the guys are playing before the game like you got to not let that get you too excited to uh a, that's where the mental part of goaltending is just so much different it's kind of it's not unlike a starting pitcher in baseball um, obviously they, you don't have the rest of the team getting all amped up too, but it's the same kind of more mental state quarterback and football. 
um, you're not going out to crush guys. You got to be focused on, you know, the tactical side, the mental side, as uh, not as much as the physical physicality of it, where you need to be amped up. So, I think those three positions in different sports all have the same mentality in a lot of ways. So, you're off by yourself at the start of before the game starts, listening to little Frank. What are you, what are you listening to now? Uh, what was it at the end that I, I was putting on? Um, you know, it, it kind of ebbs and flows. If if it's like a lull in the season where the games are really hard to get up for, um, I'll put on some Jack White, you know, White Stripes. That uh, That's pretty good. But sometimes I'll put Jack Johnson on. Sometimes it'll be Jason Isbell. Um, Something more along the lines of a uh, something I enjoy that you know music changes your mood so much, and if you can find that music that puts you in that calm, peaceful place, you know that's that's usually what I try and find. I should uh, mention I I need to thank you because I was doing uh, some research on you and I watched a bunch of different interviews and listened to a few, and um, you mentioned at one point, and I highly doubt you listened to this guy before games, but Tyler Childers is a guy that you listen to. And I was like, I've never heard of him. Well, so then I went on this YouTube rabbit hole where I listened to a bunch of his stuff, which it was really good. And then I'm, uh, it led me back to Coulter Wall, but it led me down this like rabbit hole of like, well, Tyler Childers, if nobody's heard him, uh, I suggest White House Road, his, his stuff. And I'm sure you got a bunch of songs that you like, but I started listen to interviews of you and it quickly turned to listening to music and the Tyler Childers came up and then a bunch more guys you talked about. That was the one that I wrote down. Cause I was like, never heard of him before. And he's got a fantastic voice. And I go back to what you just said that music can change, you know, your emotion, the energy, like, like so quick. And, uh, he's got a really cool sound to him. Yeah. He's, he's awesome. He's even, but even my wife, she's, been anti-country music for quite some time as i have been uh the bro country or whatever it is i cannot stand and i got into those guys i and it was the sturgill simpson kind of got me more into it once i heard him and i heard tyler childers and i was blown away and i was playing a few songs and even brandy said i really like this guy and i was like wait a minute he's country and like that's when you that's when I knew he was he was, <laughs> he was good. But no, there's there's such a good uh flow of influx of these new like I guess you, there's no real term for it. It's outlaw country, old country or whatever, but um they call it Americana a lot. But these guys that you know, from the Kentucky area mainly that God, they're good, their songwriting, their voices, it's it's they sound old school. They sound like they're from a, a throwback. Yeah, the more, you know, a lot of the roots in country music is storytelling. And that's that's what they're, you know, it's not about parties and, and you know, dirt roads, you know, the cliche country stuff. It's about, you know, hardship and, and you know, ranching and all that stuff, you know. It's just, um, I don't I enjoy it more. I enjoy a story behind a song. The story behind a song is is uh, 
Well, there's starting to be more of it. But there's a lot of... I'm trying to think of her name. Katy Perry. There's a lot yeah. of that. And yeah. I can't... I'm not going to sit here and, and say that I won't get, uh, you know, dance to a Katy Perry song. I probably would. I, I got no problem against most music, but it doesn't move you the same way as some, uh, some of the, the new stuff that's coming out. And I think a Coulter wall, he's got two or three ones, man, that are just like his voice and the way he sings is just like, Holy crap. That's something. And even just the way he plays guitar, it's not perfect. You know? And I love that. You know, you hear the, vibrate of a string that you know most producers will get rid of and it's still in there and it sounds raw it sounds sounds real it's not a drum machine or a you know dubbed over beat it's you know someone actually making music that's you know i feel like that's what music is for well that's what uh when you say you know it sounds raw and real and it's what i love about podcasting uh, sit across from a guy like yourself or, you know, the, the people that have come before you, uh, lots of times, whether you're on the, the world stage, right? Stanley cup, you get like a little snippet of something and, and that's what, you know, brain Holpe becomes known for. And if you get to listen to somebody actually talk and, and ask them some questions and have it in a long format where you're not cutting and pasting and snipping out a bunch of stuff. And, you know, I, I've been told, you know, I've had people tell me before, you know, you should just like listen to it and like, give me the best 15 minutes. And I'm like, well, that's kind of not the point. The point yeah. is, is that you, you listen to it and you get to the answer yourself and whether you like or hate it or whatever it's, you know, and I'm decent at it. don't want to sit here and say I'm amazing at it, but you know, I listen to a guy like Joe Rogan talk and whether you love or hate Joe is beyond, not the point. The point is, he is fantastic at what he does and he has some of the best guests on yeah. the planet go on there and they like they just friggin talk to uh ah what's his name rapper or singer shouldn't call him rapper singer because i don't think he's a rapper but he talked to him for four hours i'm like oh my god what do they talk about for four hours like don't be wrong i could talk to somebody for four hours but that is that is something but you listen to some of his best conversations where he has like Neil deGrasse Tyson, the, the, the about talking about space or, I mean, Mike Tyson, when he had him on and they talk like up until that point, you have a thought in your head about Mike Tyson. Everybody's seen him bite in the ear, right? From our, our era, we didn't uh, grow up watching him where he was one punching guys. We all remember Holyfield getting his ear bite. Then you listen to him talking like, gee, that just, that was impressive. And I get it from most people, right? They have a, an idea of Braden Holpe. They're going to listen to this and it's going to steer them one way or the other. Right. And for lots of people, if they followed you real closely, they already know who you are, but most they don't have the time in the day or there isn't an outlet to see it. So something like this is real and raw and, and lets you hear the full story. So it's cool yeah. that music is maybe taking a turn back to that. Yeah, it does. And I, I like podcasts are awesome too, because we ask the same questions over and over every day, you know, hockey questions, you get the same answers, same answers, and be actual able to talk about something more than a cliche is fun. It's actually, you know, makes, uh, you know, what we call our media or whatever. It's, these are the ones that are actually fun and not the media availability after a game or something where you just dread it. Let's, <laughs> you know. Talking about something other than hockey is nice. 
How much are the boys loving then? The fact that media can't come racing into the dressing room. There has to be some running jokes right now of like, like this is quiet because I mean, nobody can come in the dressing room. It's got to be amazing. Oh, the media in this is, uh, we've all said it should be this way. We can even when you do it, like it's a Zoom media or availability. And there's one guy that hosts it and says, who's asking the, asking the question there and there. Like a lot of the times, most of the stupid questions we get are because, you know, reporters are panicking and they're trying to get their piece in and, you know, and you end up just saying noise. And now it's like structured and thought out questions before that they know they get one, you know, and it, it's been so smooth. And I think there's more, uh, more content to it. Um, and not just a lot of cliche answers. I think it's actually been really good. I actually, I would a hundred percent agree with you. You know, if I, when I was, uh, listening to you guys, I actually stopped doing it. I, I always look for podcasts on guys or even kind of like short documentary series kind of style videos on a guy like yourself. Cause there's so much uh, content out there. If you type in, you know, Braden Holby or X NHL or an interview, you can pretty much see every pre uh, post game interview you've ever had. And after about the third one, you're like, well, there's no point in watching that anymore. But the no. one you had after uh, your your tune-up game here, you're exactly right with content. The questions, I was like, ooh, that, that was actually a pretty good question. Like, that was – heck, that would be yeah. something I'd want. And they're not the same. And they're not the same. Yeah. Which is – it's nice. I mean, it's quicker. And I just feel there's more to it. I think a lot of the, the scrums and their – you're fighting for position and all that. And then it's just, yeah, it's not a very good way to do it. I think when it's structured, it's um, better for both sides. How about uh, dressing rooms? Are you guys, you know, being on the West, we hear all about the Oilers and the rink and everything. Do you guys get to dress in the Leafs dressing room then at some point? At some point we will. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, there's four four different dressing rooms. They're they're using the Raptors as one two right now. The Raptors. And yeah, the Raptors. Uh, uh, the visiting NHL, and then they're using like the media area. They've switched into a locker room, which is still pretty nice. Yeah, I yeah, know that's cool. So, what yeah. you, what did you guys get to dress in the first one? Not the Raptors or the Leafs, then? No, we were in the media one, which was which was still fine. But I, we everyone's a little confused. Is that like our practice rink setup is? all the other teams are are in like the normal part of the rink and then the Leafs got their own locker room which is not not going over very well with everyone here bit of a home ice advantage they're all comfortable and cozy in there and we everyone else doesn't well you just got to oust them in the you know yeah they get ousted in the first round and then don't, yeah. don't much matter yeah, I think everyone's everyone's a Columbus fan here for the first few days. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys get to go to any of the games? Are they are you allowed to go? Yeah, you're the... allowed. Yeah, you're allowed to go and and watch if you want. Which, I mean, if it's a big game, if it might actually be kind of fun. I've I haven't watched a hockey game in years, so maybe I'll do that. Maybe it'll be my new fun thing to do. <laughs> Hmm. Well, I mean, 
That's yeah. It could go both ways. I, I guess I'm just sitting here going, would you rather be in the building where there's no atmosphere, right? It's just kind of like a pond hockey game, or would you rather be sitting at home flicking on the, or uh, sorry, in the bubble at the, the hotel, flicking on the, you know, and pick yeah. it up and go, yeah, okay, there it is, right? To be in the building for a game seven when literally it's not really like there's going to be a million people in there and there's going to be an atmosphere and it's going to be the same thing, right? At least, yeah. uh, at least in the the TV, you get the the color commentating or the play by play. Yeah, and actually, there where we're staying here is right beside BMO Field, where the soccer stadium and where the Argos play. Um, and they've been putting games on the the big screen there and playing the audio through the through the sound system. So it's pretty sweet, you know, be outside watching. watching oh, so you can literally go sit in the go sit in the stadium and watch the game. Yeah. Pretty pretty cool actually. Be outside and watch. It's fun. Yeah, no kidding. Well, I can hold you here probably all night. I and I know you got all the time and you're in the bubble, but I I, I just I, I, I want you to rest up and make sure you're ready to go for, for Monday. I, I, I anniversary. That too. That too. You're not supposed to bring that up. <laughs> you don't want to dig your hole any deeper, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's go into the final segment. It's the Crude Master Final Five. Five quick questions for you, Braden, and then uh, I'll let myself go. And uh, <laughs> but uh, huge shout out to Heath and Tracy McDonald. Uh, they've been sponsors uh, of the podcast, huge supporters of the podcast since the very beginning. So it's just five quick questions, and uh, away we go. So, in your career so far, who has the most deceptive shot? Not the hardest shot, but the guy who walks down and can change the you know, direction of it awfully quick and it, it may be hard to figure out? Uh, that's a good question, though. Um, Kucherov is tough. Kucherov is uh, – he, he's so – it doesn't look like he should be able to shoot it as well as he does. And he's very – he's uh, – we obviously play against them more. The, the guys out west are tough to say because we only see them once or twice a year. You know, but he's uh, um, for me. He's he's tough. If you could uh, do this and sit across from one person, who would you want to uh, pick the brain of? Who would you want to sit down across from? Oh man, that's uh, who? Few I could I could think of. Um, Uh, living or dead? <laughs> Don't matter to me. Yeah. Um, maybe Hunter S. Thompson. Uh, is a author. Yeah. He would be. He would be fun. Jim Morrison. Any idea what you might ask him? I'm curious now. Oh man, I don't know. I'd have. I'd have to do some serious homework on that. Um. Definitely have to have a few drinks with them to, you know, loosen it up. You know, um, but no, I mean, uh, Hunter S. Thompson, he's just, he's, he'd been around so many cool things like the Hells Angels when they were starting, like, ask him what it would be a part of that. Um, the presidential election, a lot of the, the Nixon stuff he dealt with, I, I think that would have been, and even just his, his ranch out in Colorado, I mean, 
the people you know you have um you know famous actors you got jack nicholson playing tricks on you and you're you know that i mean that that the stories on on that guy would be phenomenal johnny depp hanging out there all the time i don't know just so interesting during covid uh to me it looked like uh you guys read a lot lots of books i was wondering is there a book uh, that you've read that is sticks out as being very influential on you and then maybe a book you're reading currently um during during the like covid where we're shut down or whatever i read my wife's favorite book which is a little life um that was very very good i thought that was uh what's uh, it about uh it's about uh, a few different friends um in in new york that have different different stories um you know it's a little sad and depressing at times but it's uh very very well written um and uh i watched or i read indian horse okay um, if you've heard of it he's a canadian author I actually did a movie of it too i wouldn't recommend the movie but the the book was was very very good um it's actually about a uh a kid that ended up in a residential school um, and then ended up playing for the Leafs for a little bit too, but then, you know, through, went through addiction issues and, and, you know, with his past, the residential schools and um, I actually bought, uh, I'll actually grab the, one second here. His name is, uh, I don't want to. I'm gonna, I know I'm going to say this wrong, but Richard Wagam Wagamisi Wagamese. Put it up. No. Put it up to the screen. Let's see. This is. I'm going to read this one next. Um, okay. He was the author of Indian Horse too. Uh, so that was interesting. Um, what I'm actually, reading. Actually, right I actually just uh, was out at Frenchman Butte, which you would know where that is, uh, and picked up uh, the story of Big Bear. Uh, oh, oh, cool. Uh, I'd, I'd uh, listen to kind of your media veil uh, back. I can't remember how many days ago that was, if that was two months ago or if that was only a month ago or whatever, where you talked about um, everything going on in the States. And then we took the kids out to Frenchman Butte and I was looking around and we, we got um, the wife's taught out at Little Pine, which is south of Peyton. And we discussed uh, the residential schools like that and, and stuff like that. And in talking with Ron McLean and I'm rambling now, but in talking with Ron McLean on the last episode, we got talking about him and Don Cherry and their rift and doing your research and understanding and what's going on right now. And then I listened to you and I went, and I just need to le learn a little bit more about uh, native affairs and what's happened and everything else. So when I was out at Frenchman Butte, long story short, uh, ended up picking up the, the Big Bear book because uh, I thought uh, that happened pretty much next door to where I grew up and I don't even know the story. So it probably is smart of me to, to do some, some learning on that. Yeah, that, that sounds interesting. Actually, I'm reading, reading one right now that's called The, the Inconvenient Indian. Um, and it's a lot about the uh, you know, Native American affairs in Canada and, and America. It's super mind blowing and, and interesting at the same time, but it's a, 
um yeah a lot of a lot of stuff we don't you don't know you know that's out there especially with, with big bear too i've tried to find a lot of stuff on him and stuff tough to find so i might have to steal the name of that off you but i can i can i can definitely send it to you yeah i could talk for book about books for hours though so that'll that'll really bore your readers or your your listeners to death so i don't don't know you know i i every once in a while a guest will say exactly as i mute myself I, i was saying uh every once in a while guests will say the words you just said, right? We could talk about this, but we'll bore everybody. And uh, what I've learned is, is if I'm interested by it and you're interested by it, chances are the people listening are very interested by it. So I would never, I would caution you never to, to worry about what you just said. If, if it's passionate about something you're um, engaged in, I think there's people that listen about it. So as far as books go, uh, you know, talking with, Mr. McLean, I learned very quickly. I'm like, man, that guy does a ton of reading. And I think I do a ton of research. He does. It's yeah. unbelievable how much his mind uh, remembers or captures or what have you. Right. And so, um, but in talking with him and listening to you, I've, I'm trying to do better, I guess, and trying to read a bit more. So that's cool that you're, you're, you're reading a bunch of different books. Uh, I definitely will look into that. I'll suggest the one, uh, to the wife, oh, heck, maybe I'll even read it because if it if it's your wife's favorite and it's, you think it's that good, I think it's probably something a guy should probably pick up then. Yeah, yeah, it was really good. So, she and then Brandy's reading one of my favorite books right now too. So it's which is what um, Fountainhead by Ayn Rand. It's a old book. She she wrote uh, um, Atlas Shrugged, which is a kind of a oh yeah yeah classic there that takes you some time though that's a, that's a, that's a commitment so a little life a little life is a big book too but um yeah it's, it's definitely something that my wife and i share love for oh, reading a love for reading yeah. yeah on a long road trip now imagine you guys are in the bubble but you have actually if you were in the bubble for the next two months you're gonna win the stanley cup but you had to have a roommate who would you take as your roommate on my team, yeah. Um, probably Tom Wilson. Tom's your guy. Yeah, we have pretty good conversations. We sit together on the plane, and yeah, we we've been together for a long time. We get along well. Finally, the last one, because I assume uh, with you coming on, there will be a lot of young goaltenders that have their ears to the to the the audio here. Is there any piece of advice you can give uh, young goaltenders listening? That's it's a tough one because it's you don't want to be too uh, too cliche in the answer, I guess. But um, I, I I mean I, I say it simply sometimes is you make sure you're enjoying enjoying it, find ways to have fun, work hard no matter what, but. Um, something that I struggled with when I was young. Uh, I took it too seriously and I didn't have fun all the time. And I think when I figured out how to enjoy the game in a fun way, I started having success. So don't take yourself so seriously. Just go have fun. It's probably good advice for a lot of life. Well, I appreciate you uh, hopping on. 
uh, wish you the best of luck. I know we're all going to be tuning in to you on Monday uh, for what I'm sure is going to be three good games, but you know, with it being a tournament format, I think we're all excited for when the first round's over and you guys are seated and, and it's actual playoff hockey or at least what I think of as playoff hockey, but wish you the best of luck. I hope you guys uh, get to bring another cup back to Lloyd Minster. It'd be uh, cool to, you know, see you guys do well again. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. It's fun. Hey folks. Thanks again for joining us today. If you just stumble on the show and like what you hear, please click subscribe. Remember, every Monday and Wednesday, a new guest will be sitting down to share their story. The Sean Newman Podcast is available for free on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, and wherever else you find your podcast fix. Until next time.